We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan LeCoe, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Chevy, DoorDash, Rotoviz, BetOnline, and of course, our friends at Blue Wire. You can follow the show on Twitter at Rotoviz CFB Show. You can find Matt at Wispy the Kid, and I am Stay Fun Laco. It's always a good reminder because sometimes I take things just a little too seriously. All right, Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I, I got some great news last night. I uh, I had been in contact with someone who had gotten a positive COVID uh, test, so I was uh, I was feeling a little nervous. Got tested over the weekend. And uh, got my results back last night, and uh, it was negative. So that was uh, some good personal news. And it just kind of brings everything back. Like, you know, in the NFL, we've got, like, the Tennessee Titans stuff going on and Cam Newton with COVID. Like, it's just all crazy. And it's sometimes, like, it's close, but it still feels far away. And then all of a sudden, you're getting, like, uh, a little tester shoved up your nose. And uh, it's, uh, it's a real eye-opening experience and it's it's a reminder of like yep good thing i keep wearing my mask good thing i'm doing my best to do social distancing stuff when can be and yeah just good stuff anyway it was uh yeah it was a it was a it was a good night for us for that news to to hit me so it's good and then of course you know coupled out with uh some some good news for oregon uh their their cornerback uh, lenore's coming back he had opted out originally and he he was going to go uh for the uh, just like 
get ready for the draft. But now he's back and we just got a grad transfer at safety. So, you know, Oregon's looking looking strong. We're looking like we're going to be in good good shape. We've got our Pac-12 schedule out. So, you know, it's all good stuff. I'm excited. Uh, thing, things are going well. Things are going well. I mean, I'm definitely I'm happy for you guys. It'll be it'll be nice for you guys to lose one game and only be kind of disappointed. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Uh, no, it's um, it's brutal, man, being an Oregon fan, because there's always that one game that you shouldn't like last year. I think it was Arizona State and another team as well. I, I can't even remember. I, you do I remember to... that Ohio State has like lost three national championship uh, caliber seasons because of Michigan State, Purdue and Iowa, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, college football's crazy. It's just it's so crazy how, you know, like a team can just blow out like if they would have played like the next week, you know, it could have been a completely different result. But just that day, for some reason, the team shows up and the other team doesn't. And you get these crazy lopsided or not lopsided, but just the results are so unexpected. But that's one of the things I love about college football. So college football is a place where any given Saturday, no matter what you think of a team, they can lose. Yeah, just it's not not that anyone can win. It's that any team can lose. <laughs> right. I was going to say just ask Oklahoma, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> do you think uh, do you think Houston plays their first game uh, on Thursday night? It's not canceled yet, so maybe. Yeah. What? What? It's just been crazy for them. It's such an unfortunate reality that they're living in right now. It's why everyone who's like thinking that someone like. I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to the Big Ten. I think all these teams are going to do the right thing. If you think your season's going to not have any impact from all this and that it's just going to go smooth, uh, it's not. Look at look at Houston. Look at like Notre Dame. Notre Dame was the epitome of like how to do things, and then they lost a game. So no one's going to finish with however many games they thought they were going to, and that's probably okay. Yeah, I mean, and we're even seeing that, like we just talked about earlier in the NFL, like for a while, everything was looking fine and people were like, oh, this is going to be great. This is perfect. And then all of a sudden, like people are scrambling. So, yeah, you just don't know what's going to happen. I think you're right. We just have to kind of play it by ear. One of the disappointing things is that uh, like the Pac-12 schedule and some of these other ones that have, you know, been released later than the other ones, like there's just no margin for error, you know, and so I get a little bit nervous, like how are are our teams even going to be able to make up games or is it pretty much just going to be like, well, I guess we're only playing four games this year or, or whatever it might be. So all stuff that we'll have to wait and see about, of course. Yeah. I mean, at, at live everything one week at a time. Right. Hey Matt, can we talk about Oklahoma for, for a minute losing back to back for the first time since 1999? I mean, don't play past defense and uh, there'll be problems. I, I, they're, they're interesting because as much as I'm sure their fan base wants to go, well, Spencer Rattler must not be the guy. Rattler was fine. I mean, the picks a, don't bother you. He has to force stuff when his defense is giving up 40 points a game. I mean, it's just, is he Jalen hurts? Is he Kyler Murray in the sense of where he, he's at right now? No, he looks like he is a red shirt freshman, but right. I, I mean, I can't sit here and say, that the game's on him when the defense is, I mean, just they only stuffed on the run defense, They, which is the strength of their defense. They only stuffed Iowa State on 13 or 14% of plays. They, they're just not 
this is not a team that is capable on defense to even make, like I said, uh, I think it was last week, they're going to have to win games in the fifties. And so, yeah, I mean, the turnovers are going to have to come down from Rattler if they want to be elite, but that team's, they look like they are on the ropes. Yeah. This is a big, big week for uh, both Oklahoma and Texas coming off losses and really struggling a lot this year. Uh, after that first Missouri state game for Oklahoma, <laughs> I mean, I, I think we were all like Spencer Rattler is God. And I, I definitely think he shows moments and maybe even, I mean, he's that's had probably even unfair. 300 passing yards in both of the two losses. It's mm-hmm. not like he's been even bad in any of them. It's just when your team isn't like doing the things around you and you're not able to run the ball and the game really kind of falls on his shoulders. I mean, he only threw one pick last game. It wasn't like he, he went out and threw three more picks. He It was, was just at a crucial time, I suppose. That's why he's getting a lot of heat for that one. He completed almost 70% of his passes for 300 yards and two touchdowns. That should be good enough. It's just a matter of his defense is going to get him zero stops. And he has to apparently treat it like every drive is you can't like he at this point cannot take risks. And if he cannot take risks, then like it's going to limit their offense. So it's he's in a weird spot. I, I mean, I just feel for him because when you think you're with this national championship contender where the strength of the team has been the offensive line for the past few years and you should be able to lean on running the ball and you can't run the ball, what are you supposed to do? And then, yeah, he just they they went up against a team that was not going to make mistakes and it exposed a team that was looked young. Right. And I, and I think something you brought up is, is important, and that's just like the running game. And even last year, we saw that Jalen Hurts had to take on a lot of that responsibility himself. And yes, they also had uh, Sermon and Kennedy Brooks there as well. So they had a, a, a trio of players that could run the ball well. And now you've got a couple of <laughs> a couple of freshmen running backs. And of course, Rattler himself, as you said, is a redshirt freshman. So it really has changed the dynamic of the team. And we really also in this time haven't necessarily seen any receiver really show that they're going to be like an alpha on that on that team. We're still, you know, we've got hope for Charleston Rambo and even a, a guy like um, like Marvin Mims. But these are these are young guys like uh, I think Mims is is I think he's only a freshman. Uh, you've mentioned Weiss before Theo Weiss. He's a sophomore, but he hasn't done much at all this year. I think he's only got seven receptions on the year. So I just think they're young. I, I mean, I think this team could be really, really scary, uh, in two years <laughs> or maybe even next year when these guys have developed, but maybe we were all, uh, I mean, I think we both had them in our, in our playoff projections. So I, I think maybe we were just a year too soon. Maybe we didn't realize just, um, as, as good as Lincoln is, uh, he's working with a lot of new, new players. Yeah, I I definitely think we did not take into consideration what the overhaul was and the fact that their defense really was not going to improve at all. Right. I mean, from a yards perspective, I'm pretty sure they had more total yards than than Iowa State. But um, and like you said, it wasn't like uh, Kansas State the week before um, blew them up offensively. It was a lot of, you know, big mistakes and and bad places and stuff like that. So anyway, yeah, I I just, to me, that was the big, one of the big stories from this weekend was uh, just Oklahoma uh, losing back to back, which I I did not expect at all. I mean, after all, 
uh, Oklahoma minus seven was one of my locks. So, um, yeah, got that one wrong. That happens to the best of us. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a rough weekend for both of us. I think that was pretty clear. Um, yeah. But I, I want to talk about a couple of players. Some There were some wide receivers that sort of made themselves known. And I'll start with one who was already out there. Um, if you've been paying attention to SMU for the past couple of years, you know the name Reggie Roberson. Um, but, I mean, this stat line that I'm about to read off is pretty absurd. He had five receptions last week um, for 243 yards and two touchdowns. He averaged 48.6 <laughs> yards per reception. That's crazy. I mean, that's that's stupid. Um, but that's kind of what he is. So he's a guy that I do think is, I don't think he's a huge, like, he's not some Debbie unknown, but he's definitely a guy that needs to be on, like, real radars at this point he's he's gonna be i think the guy actually can make an impact he is a senior so he's he's probably a little bit on the higher age side than we prefer but he's been productive for i mean he's had back-to-back 800 yard seasons before this and through what do they have so far i think they have four games so far he has 474 yards so he's definitely on his way to like truly breaking out for the year so definitely a name that you need to be keeping in mind as maybe that like mid to late round type rookie pick next year, because that's probably where he's at. And if he is rostered in your Debbie league, see if you can pick him up for something cheap. Um, don't overpay for him because he is still very unlikely to have high draft capital. Um, and the other guy I want to mention is Alabama sophomore wide receiver, John met actually, I think he might be a redshirt freshman, whatever. Um, he's either redshirt freshman or a true sophomore, but his name is John Mechie. Um, he really kind of, he, he made an impact last week going five for 181 and two touchdowns. I still think that he's running right now. He's out producing Devonta Smith. I think when it comes to actual like future NFL value, I think he's running third behind Waddle Smith and then him, but he is a guy that, I mean, he was a top 300 overall prospect. I think he was like the 30th ranked wide receiver in the class of 2019. So not super duper elite, but if you are playing as a true sophomore in that Alabama offense where they get guys every year. They're one of those teams. They don't, they don't rebuild, they reload. And if you're one of those guys that's on the field, you're doing something right. And I think he's just a name that at the beginning of next season, when we're starting to like list out the top Debbie wide receivers for the class of 2022, all of a sudden John Mechie is going to have to be one of those names we're thinking about. Yeah. He looked, I mean, both these guys looked really, really good over the weekend what surprised me is roberson did that uh without even finishing the game he he left with a, a knee injury um that he got in the second half i don't know if it was the fourth quarter or not I'm, I'm assuming it was because putting up those numbers in just two and a bit of a quarter would be insane uh but he's a, he actually might miss a couple of weeks uh so that's really unfortunate i, I looked up his age he's 23 so yeah he is he is definitely so, on the older side yeah uh mechie though man he he really popped uh watching that game seeing the highlights I was I was really impressed by him. Dude is quick. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely someone uh, who we can be keeping an eye on. Quick question for you about uh, Alabama. Is is Mac Jones, oh, let me, is, is the quarterback for Alabama just like a system quarterback? Like, can they make anyone look good there with the weapons they have? I think right now he was always going to look good. But I also think that we're just overlooking the fact that Mac Jones wasn't like, I, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Mac Jones didn't suck. Like, it wasn't like he was this crappy player that came in there. He was the 18th ranked pro style quarterback in the class of 2017. 
he's a good player. And when you're learning, when you are sitting there taking reps with someone like Tua and Jalen Hurts, you you do pick things up. And I, I mean, I think that the fact that he got reps in the system last year when he needed to come in and I mean, you can't play bad for Nick Saban because if you do play bad for Nick Saban, you don't play. And right. if if he was just a guy that was just another dude, they would move on to the higher upside freshman. He's proven he can do it by going with Tua um, in the past. So if Mac Jones was just a, was just a dude, I think he already would be getting competition for his snaps and there's no sign of that right now. So, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to say this. Um, Mac Jones is going to get drafted in probably the first two days of the NFL draft, unless something goes pretty bad between now and then. And you actually, I was going to ask you about that. I don't, <laughs> if you thought gonna, he had, he'll he's be, only a junior. So, I mean, he could come back next year. Do you think, no, I mean, I can't imagine he would, cause then he might lose his job, but I think if, he returns for college next year. It would be probably a mistake. Um, I would I would venture to guess that his stock will be as high as it is going to get if he leaves after the season. With that being said, I don't think he's going to really get near that top three group that's out there now that Trey Lance has declared. That was one piece of news we didn't get to. But um, with Trey Lance declaring, I kind of think that there's a pretty solid top three. And... I don't see Mac Jones breaking into that, but he'll definitely be in that competition for QB four. Yeah. With guys like Kyle Trask, I imagine. Uh, yeah. That Trey Lance news. I, I'm sorry. I missed that. Uh, that was interesting. I mean, we talked about this with, um, with Travis, I think on his podcast or maybe when he was in ours, I forget. My memory is on absolute him. terrible. Um, but he, yeah, it just, what a unique situation. I mean, the dude has passed, I think for like fewer than, 300 pass attempts in his college career or something crazy like that. And he's going to be potentially a first round pick. It's, it's insane. I mean, he's a, he's a dual threat guy that comes from a system that has produced a lot of talent. And I mean, yeah, I, I think there was a guy on Twitter that I respect a lot, Kyle Francis and uh, franchise KF on Twitter. He is a, a film guy that I tend to put a little bit more weight into. And he said he is the type of quarterback that gets you fired. Um, if you are a GM Oof. and you take him, it's it's not that he'll get you fired right away, and it's not that he is nece- that he is guaranteed to be a bust. But if you take him and he is not good, you get fired. Kind of like Tim is, Tebow. <laughs> well, I mean, like what he did to the well, well like because like, that was just ever, in the moment we all knew that was an atrocious pick. No one right. else was going to take Tim Tebow in the first three rounds, but they talked themselves <laughs> into. They were like, "Oh no, we got to go run and take him." It's like when. Heck, Daniel Jones might not be terrible, but no one else was taking him in the top 10 right? Or when the Giants took him. But they were so dead set on they had to take him right then and there that they wasted an earlier pick. So I think Trey Lance is, is probably talent-wise better than everyone we've mentioned so far. He does have some legitimate upside, but he's incredibly raw. It's just he is a... I think he's a... Justin Fields light um, and he has even less experience than Justin Fields and plays in a much lower contest. So you kind of have to sit there. He is a, he is a film guy. People who watch film are going to look at him and seeing him dominating the field. And that is if, 
he comes out and looks good in a combine, looks good in shorts, some team is going to take him top 10. And like I said, I think he's the type of guy that it's either going to work out amazing and you have the next great quarterback or you're a GM looking for a job in three years. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. I think, yeah, I was tweeting with uh, Matt Hicks, uh, the FF educator. I'm in a couple of leagues with him. Uh, and we, he, he does a lot of Debbie stuff as well. And we were, we were just chatting about it for a minute. And uh, I was like, man, he better ball out at the combine because uh, that's going to be one of the areas where he has the opportunity, like you said, to, to go in the top 10 or if, you know, if everyone's skeptical with what he does on the, in the combine, man, there's not enough, not enough tape against good opponents to really solidify where he's at. So I think the combine for him is going to be a huge deal. We were even talking about how, and we've talked about this before too, just how we're kind of surprised that he didn't like try to transfer uh, this year, try to get into a, a hey, place. He got that one game in. He, he right. got to play one game against a terrible team and wasn't televised. So yeah, just, not ideal. It's messy. Yeah. Well, you know what's not messy, Matt? Using DoorDash. DoorDash is absolutely fantastic. I happened to use it last night. We wanted some Mexican food and didn't want to cook it. So we we got on DoorDash and we we ordered and with their contactless delivery that was just left on our doorstep, nice and easy. And uh, if you use the DoorDash app and you use our code BLUEWIRE, listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash, and you can not just get Mexican food. You can pretty much get anything you want. They do all the major chains, but also a lot of your local stuff. So so check it out. That's DoorDash. I'm sure a lot of you guys have been using it uh, over the past few months as we have not been going out quite as often. Uh, so yeah, so check out DoorDash. Use the code BLUEWIRE. And, uh, and save some money. Matt, you want to get into uh, the week five reviews here? Sure. Yeah. So uh, we were bad. <laughs> I like to think it was just a bad week for picking. No, we were bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So whatever, I'll, I'll run through it real quick. We were, I was one, two, and one on my locks on the week, uh, which brings me to eight, six, and two on the season. You're still winning money. Keep following. Uh, and then one four or one and four on regular games for the week which brings me to eight and eleven don't follow me on those games uh you uh you actually were the leader for us last week going three and four on locks brings you to six and ten on the year and then (laughs) hey it happens to everyone um and you were three and two on the week on regular games and you are now ten and nine on the year i would say this to all of our listeners stefan is really good at picking on the marquee games that is his wheelhouse he, yeah, listen to him when he is confident. Yeah, and and I think too, I we were talking about this earlier. I was like, man, why am I getting my locks wrong? Like, so so I've changed it. We're we're gonna start doing uh, a preview section and then a pick section because I do terrible when I call it a lock. Uh, no, but uh, I do feel like when I I just have a feel for the game, um, I do a lot better than when I start diving into the research because. For some reason, I, I don't know if I get in my own head or what, but my locks have been struggling. Uh, so I, I kind of changed things up a little bit this week. Um, I feel I feel good going forward. Hopefully, I can uh, I can keep up with you going forward here, and we can uh, help the listeners uh, continue making some money. Yeah, 
so I get, before we jump into the whole review of the like marquee games of the week, uh, I'll just run through the locks, uh, my bad locks. So NC State Pitt under 47 was actually my second favorite game of the week. Um, so sorry to listeners. Um, under or under 47 was what I had. The game ended up being a lot more high scoring. Pitt's defense kind of got exposed against a good NC mm-hmm. State team. Uh, they gave up 30 points. Game finished with a total of 59. Missed that one by a mile. Um, my article pick of the week uh, was Kansas state and Texas tech going over 64. They only got to 52, a uh, little bit disappointed because Alan Bowman went out early. And at one point, Skylar Thompson was injured and they just couldn't convert when they got down close to the end zone in the first half. Um, missed that one again. Uh, there was a moment late where it looked like they might get to overtime to save me and give me a really bad win, but whatever we take it, we lose. Um, FAU Charlotte. I played this basically because the FAU doesn't have Lane Kiffin. Love that hit that one very comfortably um, total only got to 38 and then Oklahoma state and Kansas. I played this because I really thought that Oklahoma state Steve or offense was going to struggle a little bit more, but they didn't um, at all. And they did whatever they wanted. I just held on with a push here. Yeah. Kansas is a terrible, terrible. No, they're team. awful. They're really bad. I mean, so. Kansas is what cost me money when I picked Baylor, you know, because Baylor destroyed Kansas. And I actually thought Baylor was pretty good. And then they uh, they lost in overtime to West Virginia. But um, yeah, actually, that was my first my first loss was was that game uh, on my locks. I, I took Baylor minus three and they lost by six in overtime. I, was I did really warn you ho- on that one, by the way. Yeah, I was really hoping. Well, it got to overtime and, you know, I wasn't feeling great, but I was hoping that um, that maybe I'd at least get a push on that one. But but uh, Charlie Brewer threw an interception in the end zone on first down. Uh, really made me want to rip my hair out, uh, but that's okay. Um, TCU uh, plus 12 and a half. That was awesome. They just straight out won the game. TCU is really, really good. I picked them uh, to cover Ohio State as well. They didn't, Iowa State, excuse me, buddy. Um, I was like, we're not playing yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, that one did not work out. But uh, but TCU looks really good. They're, they're someone that uh, I, I think is is trending in the right direction. Uh, one of my favorite teams to watch this year is Ole Miss. Uh, they, they were uh, six-and-a-half-point dogs at Kentucky. They pulled out the upset win, 42-41. Super fun game. Um, yeah, I really, I really enjoy what Lane Kiffin is doing uh, over there. Uh, as I mentioned, I lost out on my Oklahoma minus seven. We are already talked about that game. Uh, their defense uh, is is just real, real bad. And then I went for the double dip with Florida minus eighteen and under fifty seven, and I barely missed out on both of these. Uh, the The total went up to sixty two, and Florida only won by fourteen. They just stopped scoring. They were up, I think. Um, they were up, I think, I'm trying to do math, 38 to 38 to 14 or something like that. Um, they were up big, and I felt like, oh, this is in the bag, and then all of a sudden it wasn't, and I lost, and that was very unfortunate. But I still like Florida. They're still going to be a team that is uh, on my card fairly often. I will say I think their defense is probably questionable. It, it's yeah. not bad, but I think it's questionable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's something to definitely look at moving forward. I also think they're they're scoring so quickly that um, opponents are getting a lot of opportunities um, and having to kind of force the force the ball and they're getting they're getting up to comfortable leads, maybe not what the spread is, but they're getting up to, to comfortable enough leads that they're um, able to put some backups in and, and those backdoor covers have been taking place. Um, at least they did this week. So that was actually the first game we previewed. We were actually both on Florida for that one. 
one of the teams that, excuse me, one of the players that you were wanting to watch was Kadarius Tony. Um, they're a wide receiver, and also, you know, he gets some some work in the run game. He went six for eighty six with a touchdown. Uh, what did you think of his game? Uh, what do you think about him in general so far in the season? Uh, I really like him a lot. He was a three star athlete coming out of high school. He was um, actually he played quarterback in high school. I think what we're seeing is that athletically. The only person on the team that's better than him as an athlete is Pitts. And that's because yeah. Pitts isn't not a human being. Um, <laughs> but so he's second on the team in yards and I believe second in targets behind Pitts. Um, I I think they need to feed him the ball. He's probably the one Florida wide receiver that is looks like an NFL player. Yeah, he, he does look really good. I, I kind of like to see what if Grimes can develop, but uh, Tony does look good. It's you you don't think long. so? He's been in, yeah. he's been in the system now for like three years. It's, what about Justin Shorter? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love Justin Shorter. I want him to happen. <laughs> I know. Uh, the guys I was watching, uh, of course, we we already mentioned Pitts. He had eight targets, went four for fifty seven and two touchdowns. The boy is, or the man, I should say, is uh, is incredible. He's really tight end impressive. One. Don't yeah. let anyone tell you anyone else is above him on the tight end thing. If if it's for fantasy, Kyle Pitts Abs- is the real deal. Absolutely. Um, I was also looking in, looking at Kyle Trask, who has somehow gotten his name on the Heisman shortlist, um, you know, throwing as many touchdowns as he has. I think he has 10 touchdowns in two games. He uh, threw four this week uh, for 268 yards, another solid performance. Well, we'll have to see how he does as they begin to see a tougher competition down the road here. Uh, but a really impressive win by Florida, even though they didn't cover. I felt like, you know, it was the game was never really in question. Uh, next game uh, that we're going to look at is TCU at what was at one point number nine <laughs> ranked Texas. The line when we looked at this game was at 11 and a half. TCU just flat out won the game 33-31. I had picked TCU. You were in Texas. What do you think happened? Like you, Because you obviously had a little bit of faith in Texas thinking that they would cover this 11 and a half and obviously didn't take place. So what, what were your thoughts uh, watching this game or the highlights and all that kind of stuff? To be honest, I watched none of this game. Um, okay. But I can... I mean, TCU's, uh, they exposed an, a Texas team that is just okay across the board. Um, they, let me just pull up some things. They outgained Texas by um, 70 yards in the game. They, and they did it by really the running game. So Texas's run defense here was allowing, I mean, they just couldn't get them off the field. TCU wasn't even particularly explosive. They only averaged 7.7 yards per pass, which is fine. Nothing special. And they only averaged 4.5 yards per run. It's just, I mean, two turnovers for Texas, only one for TCU. I I mean, it it sort of is what it is. It it was kind of a close game and Mm -hmm. Texas didn't overwhelm them with anything. Yeah. It's, I think that's pretty much where it, where it goes is Texas should have been the more dominant team talent wise. And, it sure didn't look like it. Yeah, and I think one of the big problems in this game too, there was like twenty six penalties in the game combined. I mean, it was it was pretty even, it was, but it was, gross. it was it was pretty pretty brutal from that from that end. Uh, it was always pretty close, but TCU was in the lead for most of the game. Like it would go back and forth, and you know Max Duggan, I'm like happy for him. Like I don't know if he matters for for Debbie purposes. I, I doubt he will. Yeah. But he sure did look good, and it's kind of a fun story him coming back from the injury, and you know. Uh, rushing for two touchdowns and, and he had a huge touchdown at the end of the game to kind of seal seal the win uh, the guys, I was, he had like a heart murmur he had like a heart issue before yeah. the year started it was 
injuries like underselling what that guy did. He should not like he probably should not be playing football because that I mean, if that doesn't get caught when it gets caught, it's probably very serious. So the fact that they caught it and he's back, super impressive. Yeah, so it's a great story. I'm I'm rooting for them. Like I said, TCU is a fun team um, to to be following, and you know they're in, in a year that started off without you know some of my favorite teams or my favorite team, I should say. Uh, TCU's been like my uh, my Big Twelve team that I've been kind of rooting for. Um, I was curious. Uh, the players I was watching was kind of the running back room from Texas, and to be honest, um, you know Keontae Ingram got most of the work. He had 11 rushes, but only got 40 yards. Um, Rashawn Johnson finished That's off the with best um, in that room. Yeah, he finished off. He only had five carries, though. He had 63 yards on him, but they just weren't getting him involved. He only had uh, one reception. He did take it in for a touchdown, but not a whole lot of um, opportunities for him. Only only six touches in the game. So I'll be curious to see what Texas does this week against that Oklahoma defense. We'll be previewing that game, of course, in just a minute. Uh, but that'll be one to watch, what what the running backs do. Because uh, like, like we've mentioned, uh, Oklahoma's defense can't really stop much. But... Uh, one of the big marquee games as far as uh, from a rankings perspective last week was number 13 versus number two. We had Texas A&M on the road at Bama. Bama was uh, favored by 17 and a half. Uh, they ended up winning 24-52, so that number was uh, was not really in the cards for them. Neither of the players we were watching really showed up. You were uh, looking at Isaiah Spiller. I was looking at Trey Sanders. Combined, they had... 39 yards so yeah you'd mentioned um in a kind of previewing this game you're curious how spiller would perform against a good defense yeah what 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 do you think that means for him long term he's still very good i i don't think he actually sucks but i think this is the the knock on spiller that i have had is that against the best competition that they have played while he's been the starter he has dropped massively in efficiency. So I don't expect him to keep up the like 10 yards per carry that he gets against the garbage teams, but I would like to see him at like somewhere over four and a half yards per carry. Um, heck, I ideally I want to see him where I want every running back, which is near that six yards per carry. And he has not done that against the best competition. So I think everyone who is locking him up is like this sure thing running back in the class of 2022. I don't think he's that. I think he's I think he's good, but I think he's going to be another one of those guys that probably ends up in that middle range of guys who are maybe getting drafted with okay value. I mean, okay draft capital. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is interesting what you say because uh, against A and M, he went eleven carries for twenty five yards, but the week prior against Vanderbilt, he had eight carries for 117. Uh, so to your and Alabama's, point, you know, I mean, Alabama's a huge step up in competition, so we can't right. expect him to average 14.6 <laughs> yards per carry like it did against Vanderbilt. Yeah. But like I said, four would be nice. And part of that is, I mean, his offensive line didn't get him anything. He averaged 2.3 line yards per rush. Um, it they, they got stuffed on 31% of plays. So Alabama's defensive line did a really nice job here. but he really didn't do much to make more. So it's just one of those things where if, if you are thinking this guy is going to be special, then in those games, you hope that he can like make something happen. And he never did. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. I mean, his long run on the day was only seven yards, so uh, he just could not get going. Um, I continue to believe that Kellen Mond is um, is highly overrated. I, I don't I don't think he's all that good. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. 
he's never going to win anything. And I don't think, yeah. Anyway, we can move on uh, to what I thought was a pretty big upset. Uh, I would definitely, I mean, <laughs> it was Arkansas at number 16, Mississippi state. The line was 17 and a half and we both were on Mississippi state. I don't think we either felt super, super great about it, but we just had very little confidence okay. in Arkansas and Mississippi state had just beaten pretty handily, really like they could move the ball at will against LSU who had, had not lost a game in like two years or something like that. So what did you think of this one? Now, Kylan Hill was injured early on in the game, which was super disappointing. So we didn't get to see him play. But but Arkansas really did just ball out. And uh, Mississippi State made a lot of mistakes. Uh, from, my, from my vantage point, I think everyone knows this already. Uh, the big difference here was Arkansas played a zone, whereas LSU was trying to man up. And, and that seemed to be a big difference. But what was your takeaway from this game for both these teams going forward as well? If you let an average quarterback throw out 60 times, he's going to make mistakes. He threw three picks. That, mm-hmm. I mean, yes. Should they have scored more than 14 points? Yeah, this game probably, if they're going to lose this game most times, it's probably going to be in the like upper 20s and they still get something similar. But, I mean, Arkansas didn't make the same mistakes. It was, I mean, they had two fumbles, but they didn't throw any picks. Felipe Franks, Mr. Average Quarterback himself, went out there and was pretty average. 212 yards passing and two touchdowns. I mean, there's not a ton to say about this. It, I, Arkansas did what they could to kind of limit the explosiveness with a zone. Mississippi State's receivers, while they looked really good in that opening week, we kind of saw what they are. They're not this elite group that's going to just blow everyone off the field. But yeah, and then Costello, just mistakes when you couldn't make mistakes. So it was just, I mean... It, once it started early, when they threw the pick six on the first drive, it was always going to be just hoping that you could avoid the mistakes with Mississippi State, and they never did. Yeah, and and it was Arkansas. I mean, congratulations, Razorback fans, which actually I know a lot of. Uh, one of my good buddies out here uh, is, is an Arkansas alum, and I'm in a fantasy baseball league with a bunch of his college buddies. <laughs> so a lot of Arkansas fans. Um, and it's their first SEC win since 2017. So congratulations. That is great. And man, talking to them, they're excited about their new head coach, Pittman. He looks like uh, he's got this team at least fighting and and hungry like that's that's important like it does seem like there's a, car, a cultural shift that's taken place in arkansas which i think is really really good for the for, for them and uh hopefully it can lead to them not being an absolute bottom feeder you know yeah i, I mean Pittman. i think Pittman will be a good coach for them he'll just he'll turn them into the wisconsin of the sec Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, like from, from where you've been, like you take that, like that's, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the big game of the, of the weekend, number seven versus number four, Auburn at Georgia, Georgia was a six and a half point favorite. They ended up winning by 21 Auburn six, Georgia 27. It was not very close at all. I think at halftime it was like 24 zero or 24 to three. Um, I forget exactly cause I don't have it in front of me, but, uh, watching this game, it was just an absolute, domination by georgia the player you were watching didn't actually get a chance to play in right. jt daniels which actually uh, means i should flip my pick because i i said in the last at the end of that segment um i was caveating it that i thought yeah. georgia would win would and would cover if jt daniels played and i would not take them if uh stenson bennett was so i'm actually going to credit myself with an extra loss this week 
no, I don't think you can do that because on my show doc and in the podcast, you picked Georgia. <laughs> uh, Zamir White was a guy I was watching. He looked awesome. He he really looked a part of what we've come to expect from a Georgia running back. He really showed really great vision. Uh, he ended up with two touchdowns. He had 88 yards. Uh, he didn't have a huge like yardage uh, per carry. Uh, but again, Auburn, we expect to be a, a pretty good defense. I thought Tank Bigsby showed a couple of flashes. Uh, he he ended up being pretty big in the receiving game with seven receptions for 68 yards. Uh, he he averaged only uh, 3.9 on the ground uh, running the ball. But he's someone that uh, again Travis has brought up on the show and we've talked about with him because he's he's an Auburn fan and, and he loves Tank Bigsby. Uh, so. Uh, this game, man. What what did you think walking away from this? Just seeing Georgia kind of struggle against Arkansas in the first their first game, and then really just really just took it to Auburn. They could pretty much do whatever they want. Auburn couldn't move the ball uh, very well at all. What were what was your takeaway? I think Georgia's probably not bad. Um, I think that eventually they will move on from Stenson Bennett. Fingers crossed. If I would feel so bad for JT Daniels if he gets Jacob Eisend. Um, <laughs> But, um, I mean, I think they're a good team. I think they're probably going to struggle when they go up against an offense that's a little bit more explosive. But, I mean, that defense is still awesome. It's probably the best defense in the country. And, I mean, if if you allow Georgia to get to 20 points, it's going to be potentially difficult to get to 20 points. With that being said, I think that we're probably going to see something similar with this Georgia team that we saw last year, which was when they finally play that super explosive offense that can just make plays that it only takes a couple of mistakes, start forcing yourself to be a little bit more open on offense. And when you're a little bit more open on offense, that's when your lack of like lack of explosiveness can show because that's when you can be forced into making those mistakes. And now all of a sudden you're giving up field position and that's just, I think they'll eventually get into a game where they get avalanche effect, like get into an avalanche where it's kind of, they can't stop the scoring from coming and they're just not equipped to get back into the game. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But I do, yeah, I mean, that, for what it's worth, that might not come until they play Alabama. It, it might be Florida, but it might not be until Alabama. It was, uh, it was fun watching some of their, um, their young receivers play too this week. I, uh, I, uh, George Pickens, uh, he had a nice, uh, he had a nice touchdown. And then Karis Jackson, um, he's, he's looked really good. He's only a sophomore. Uh, so far in the year, he's got 15 receptions for 209 yards. He's, he's really been not even close. He's been their uh, leading receiver. So interested to see what happens with them going forward. Um, I know from a Debbie perspective, Pickens is the one that we've all been talking about, but uh, I will say yeah. the one guy that I'm, that we haven't really talked about on this show at all, that Debbie Wise is probably one of my favorites on their team. Um, freshman running back Kendall Milton, he did get a little bit of work. Um, he was six for 30 um, and had one 10-yard run. I don't think he's going to get a ton of playing time this year. I think they're going to keep rolling with Cook and White as the lead guys, and then he'll come in in a couple of spots. Heck, he's probably behind Kenny McIntosh as well. Um but he's just a, he's a name to keep an eye on. And then I think Dejon Edwards, if I recall correctly, he's also a freshman, um, was a pretty highly regarded freshman as well, or highly regarded prospect as well. So those are the two names. If something were to happen to Zamir White and he's been a little bit fragile through his career, 
I think that they wouldn't necessarily hand the ball right over to James Cook, that they might go for a little more upside, and that would be Edwards or Milton. Hmm, that's a, a nice deep cut right there. I like that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from um, from our guys at Rotoviz here, and then when we get back, we will jump into week six. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. And we are back and we are ready to look at the games for week number six. We're going to start off with two top 20 teams. We have Virginia Tech traveling to UNC. I'm pretty sure the line is still hovering at that five points. Uh, So VTech at UNC minus five. Where are you leaning on this one, Matt? And who's a player you're, you're watching? So this is a difficult one. Uh, Virginia Tech kind of burned me in a uh, pick pool I'm in at work, and I'm not going to forgive them. Um, <laughs> I think UNC is the better team. I think that, um, if I recall correctly, S&P Plus actually has them as a slightly larger favorite. No, it's about five points. So it, this is probably the right number. Um, I'm actually seeing it at four and a half as well. Here. So depending on where you're looking. So, so shop around, but we're going to take it at five because that's where our main yeah. our main spot has it. So um, I don't know. I, I do think that North Carolina is a little more talented. They, they weren't super impressive last week. Um, I, Boston college kept it pretty close, never really was able to pull away from them. So I think this is going to come back, come down to Sam Howell's quarterback play. And I think he's pretty much, or he's pretty sizably the best quarterback on the field and yeah, not a huge feel. But the one guy I am watching, he hasn't gotten a lot of run yet so far this year, but I really like this player, Raheem Blackshear. He's a uh, transfer into the program. He was with Rutgers for the past three seasons. Um, ended up tra- or redshirt, or yeah, he redshirt after four games last year. But in those four games, he had had 29 receptions for 310 yards and two touchdowns. This is a running back. Um, and the prior two seasons, in the previous season, I should say, because the prior to aren't super duper impressive, but in the prior season, he had uh, 586 rushing yards and three touchdowns and 44 receptions and 367 yards and two touchdowns. So he's kind of just this Swiss army knife player. Um, I do think that he has a slight chance of making it to the NFL. And I was actually very happy to see him transfer to a program that isn't hot garbage. So mm-hmm. I think he's the type of guy that an NFL team will find a spot for whether that's as a punt returner, I don't know, whether that's as just a um, Naheem Hines type, if he proves to be that athletic, I don't think he'll be that crazy athletic, but he very well might get a a spot on a roster. And for Debbie purposes, he's a complete ignore. For college football purposes, he's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and I wonder if my guy might be kind of in that same category. Uh, Khalil Herbert, he's a senior running back for Vatek. Uh, he's off to a great start. He's got 312 rushing yards on 26 carries and three touchdowns. Um, he's been looking very, very good uh, so far. So I'm I'm excited to watch him. 
uh, play this game. He, uh, yeah, he had, yeah, and he had, he put up 200 rushing yards against Duke last week. So he's, he's someone that I'm keeping my eye on. Maybe he's someone that climbs boards quickly and, and can find a place. So, um, I am on UNC in this game though. I mean, we've got one of the best rushing offenses in the country with Virginia tech and UNC, who we think has one of the better quarterbacks in the country, uh, in Sam Howell. So I expect this one to be a lot of fun. Definitely one I'm going to be watching. But I think uh, in the end, UNC is able to win by, you know, I think the line's actually pretty pretty damn close. I think five is, is, is a great number. Um, but I think UNC ends up winning it by uh, six or seven. So, um, you know, the line is moving the other way. Uh, so it's like some places it's at four and a half. Um, so I'll be interested to see what happens. But um, We I'm go against shirt money. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This next one is fun. Uh, what we would have maybe thought would be, um, you know, two uh, highly ranked teams coming into it. But instead, we've got um, unranked Oklahoma versus number 22, Texas. This one, again, of course, is uh, being played in Dallas, the Red River, the Red River rivalry. Oklahoma favored by two and a half. Uh, last time I ch- actually know the line is down to two. Um, so that is interesting uh who are you taking in this one oklahoma my reasoning i don't have any uh <laughs> oklahoma is a little bit better actually i should say oklahoma is a little bit better at stopping the run than they are against the pass and i do think that texas's um running game is more equipped to be the centerpiece of their offense and that they shouldn't rely on their passing game um in this game i do think you're going to see guys like josh moore as the standout in the receiving game for them but um, I think they're probably going to try and run the ball a lot with Keontae Ingram and then even a lot with Sam Ellinger. Um, should stop saying, um, but whatever, uh, Oklahoma, I do. I just like them in this spot. I think they're, this is the type of matchup they're equipped to win. And the player I'm watching this is freshman running back, Seth McGowan. I, I hope that Oklahoma's run running attack figures it out. McGowan had a couple of moments this season when he's been impressive And I would like to see them kind of unleash him and leave TJ Pledger on the bench. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on the other side of this one. I'm going Texas. I was listening. I forget what podcast I was listening to. Uh, I think it was a cover three. And one of the guys was like, there should not be favorites in the big 12. Like who he's he's basically was like, whoever the favorite is outside of like a Kansas game, like just take the other team, like take the points in every game. And, And to me, like in looking at this one, like, I don't know what I, I don't know what there is to know about these teams. Like they've been so disappointing. They have not really uh, produced up to where we hoped they would. Uh, Texas has been disappointing. Oklahoma has been disappointing. So like, I guess give me the two points. Um, I will say that uh, coach Herman is 13, two and one against the spread. Um, and as an underdog, like that's something that we've talked about uh, quite a bit on the show. And and since joining the Longhorns, he's eight and two um, as an underdog against the spread. So uh, that was kind of my tiebreaker. The player I'm watching, though, is someone I mentioned up, uh, off the top. That's Oklahoma's freshman wide receiver, Marvin Mims. He's been really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He's been really involved Good. in the offense. Yeah, he's uh, leading in touchdowns uh, with three. He's sec- second on the team with reception. So I'd like to see if he and uh, Spencer Rattler can continue this uh, dynamic combination they have between the two of them. And it could be really special for for years to come. Like, they're both... Um, you know, playing in their first year. So they have a lot that they can build on for the future too. So um, I expect Marvin Mims as a guy that will, uh, we'll see drafted pretty high in, in Debbie's Debbie rounds next, uh, next year. So uh, 
good, 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 good game. I'm expecting it to be close. I'm expecting it to be uh, pretty ridiculous as well. These these games are a lot of fun, and and, and both teams just genuinely hate each other. So it's it's always it's always uh, good good television. Um, one of the games I'm also going to be kind of looking at a lot because they for some reason have become a team I'm enjoying. Wait, which is this is your new team? It's gross. I've always hated Florida, and but now Florida's bad. <laughs> yeah, Florida at Texas A and M. Uh, Texas A and M at home, but it's six and a half point dog. Who do you got in this one? Um, I'm taking Florida. I just think their offense is fairly explosive. And Texas A&M, while they looked good against Vanderbilt, I think a lot of teams are going to look good against Vanderbilt this year. And I think Florida is probably substantially closer to Alabama than they are to Vanderbilt. So one touchdown. I kind of think this turns into a little bit of a track meet here. And Florida's more equipped in that spot than Texas A&M. I would look for Texas A&M to probably try and slow this game down a little bit and lean on their running game. And when that doesn't work and they're behind by two touchdowns, then they're forced into making a lot of mistakes. So I am taking Florida. I think they will cover this number fairly easily. Yeah. And um, the player I'm watching, I've mentioned I'm not a huge fan of Isaiah Spiller, but the one guy that has impressed me a lot so far has been Aeneas Smith. He is their backup running back. He has been utilized. He's second in the team in rushing, and he is, I believe, also second in the team in receiving. He's probably their, like, he should probably be on the field more in this game than Spiller, but based on rushing talent, they're probably going to leave Spiller in the game because, like I said, I think they're going to try and slow this game down. Yeah, I have nothing to, to add to what you said. <laughs> I completely agree with everything that you just said. I'm also in Florida. Uh, players I'm watching, I just, on this show doc, it's same old, same old. I want to see Trask. I want to see Pitts. I want to see uh, Tony, who you mentioned. I want to see... Uh, Pierce, I'm I'm excited just to watch Florida move. One of the things I, I think I'm curious about uh, that I think this game will teach us is just uh, is Florida's defense has it regressed? Is it no longer good? And I think this will be a good tell. Like uh, Texas A&M struggled a bit last week against Alabama. Um, I'm curious if Florida is going to be able to shut them down, or if Texas A&M is going to be able to move the ball like Ole Miss did. And, and, and put up a lot of points. So I'm curious to see uh, what we learn about Florida's defense, but um, I think Florida covers this pretty easily. And uh, yeah, I just excited to watch all these, uh, all these playmakers for Florida. Uh, let's move on to another match up in the sec featuring two top 15 teams. We have Tennessee traveling to Georgia. The line is 12 and a half. What do you got on this one? I don't have a great feel for this game. I, I think that Tennessee is an improving team, but I also think that they are, the same type of thing that we saw last week. Their offense is going to struggle at times, and they're probably not going to be able to put up a lot of points against a very, 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 very good Georgia um, defense. I think we saw what Georgia's offense is capable of and that they're not going to be super-duper high-scoring, but they're probably going to be good enough to beat most teams pretty comfortably. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm taking Georgia. I don't think this is a comfortable win. S&P Plus actually has this game right at 13 so they have that you should lean Georgia slightly. Um, yeah. And the player I'm watching in this one is Eric Gray. Can he? He's there. Should stop and say he is or Tennessee's um, probably most talented running back, and he's probably their most skilled running back. I don't know if he's necessarily going to end up their leading running back at the end of the year, but he's a guy that is a Debbie favorite. And I'd like to see can he perform against an elite defense because they probably need him to perform in this game for them to have any chance. And also JT Daniels, because I'm still in denial. 
Right. <laughs> um, I'm with you on Georgia. I do think it'll be close. I also, like, I just can't buy into Tennessee yet. I know they have, you know, they're 2-0. and They beat South Carolina. They beat Missouri. Uh, I don't think either of those teams are, are that impressive. So um, call me when Tennessee, you know, hangs with one of the big boys in the SEC, and then I'll start paying attention. Until then, I'm, I'm kind of just you know, a denier. I know they've won a bunch in a row, but uh, let's let's see them do it against Georgia uh, this week. Um, I think Georgia wins by two touchdowns. A player I'm watching is a guy I mentioned off the top, Karis Jackson, wide receiver um, for Georgia. He's a sophomore. He leads the team in both uh, receptions and yards with 15 and 209. Hasn't hit the end zone yet. I think that changes this week. Uh, yeah, give me Georgia. Uh, next one, I think this is <laughs> this might be the most entertaining game um, from a strictly like offensive production. But number two, uh, Alabama at Ole Miss. Ole Miss plus 24, and yet somehow you're still on Alabama. Talk to me, buddy. Okay, so I think I've talked about this before. How many good teams are there in college football? Because I still think the answer is maybe four. You <laughs> I know, know who might be the best of all those teams? It's Alabama. Alabama yeah. has the most explosive offense, and have proved that they can shut teams down when they need to. I do think Ole Miss is going to put up some points, and I think this will turn into a bit of a track meet but that favors Alabama who is miles ahead of them talent wise. Um, the player I'm watching this game, I mentioned him earlier because he had such a blow up game last week. It's John Mechie. I think he's going to be pretty important as um, one of those three guys is going to be wide open because if you have to guard one of those guys with your third cornerback or your third option um, in coverage, they're going to get open. And so whether it's Smith, whether it's Waddle, whether it's Mechie, one of them is going to go off, and I think in this spot it'll be Mechie. Jalen Waddle's touchdown last year, the route he ran was sick. It was He was doing like a, a deep post, and then all of a sudden just turned it straight up field. And he went from like fifth gear to eighth gear in like a second. Like he just like he looked like he was already running full speed and then started running even faster and left everyone in the dust. It was ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, John Mechie's a fun one. Um, player I'm watching in this one is a guy you mentioned last week. That's Elijah Moore. Um, he's had 10 receptions in both games. He's up to 319 uh, so far as far as yards go. Uh, he looks really good. I'm curious to see how he can do against Alabama's uh, defensive backs. He's only five foot nine, 185, so he's a, a smaller dude. Uh, but but he's been producing. He's been really, really good. So I'm curious. Uh, I think he does play bigger than he is. I'm curious how he can handle this. I've got Mississippi in this one. I definitely don't. I'm not calling for an upset or anything like that. 24 is just a really, really big number uh, when I think uh, Lane Kiffin can get this offense to score enough points to not keep it close on the score uh, board, but keep it closer than this 24 number is suggesting. So I still think Bama wins pretty easily. Uh, but I think it's closer to, you know, 17 to 20 points than, than 24. So I'll take Ole Miss and, and that uh, bucket load of points. And I'm excited just to watch a ridiculous, ridiculous uh, offensive performance from both teams. That that one will be a lot of fun. Uh, probably the marquee game of the week um, as far as, you know, just from a I think college game day is going to be there. It's the, it's the night game on ABC. We've got number seven Miami at Clemson. Clemson favored by two touchdowns. 14 points here. How do you feel about that number? Where, where are you leaning on this one, Matt? So you and I have been playing a game of how many points recently. <laughs> yeah. When we're trying to determine how good Miami is, I, I continuously take it back to how many points do you need for to take them against Clemson? How many points? How many points? I have been regularly saying that I need 17 points. Um, 
And that, and when it got to that point, it would just be a math play. This is going to be the best defense that Miami plays. This is going to be the best offense that Miami plays. If you thought that we were seeing something from the Florida State game that really made you think about how good this Miami team could be or how good that they looked against Louisville, this is the game that we can judge Miami by. And until then, I'm taking the team that murders everyone to murder um, murder Miami. And I'm watching Frank Ladson because he's fun to watch. Yeah. I uh, so that that game we've been playing. I think the the most recent number I gave you was thirteen and a half. So when I saw this number, I I did kind of chuckle because it was pretty pretty damn close. Uh, so so my principle, I have to stick with my principles, and I'm gonna go with Miami here. Uh, I could see this 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 is gonna end in, in in my book one of two ways. It's either gonna be back and forth and really tight, and and Miami is gonna be playing above their head, and and Derek King is gonna be keeping them in the game. Uh, with his legs and a couple of big plays, maybe a couple of blown coverages that we've seen like Brevin Jordan get open um, in these last games. Or I could see Clemson just absolutely punishing them from the get-go and it being one of those games where everyone gets excited about and then at halftime no one's watching except for the diehard Clemson fans because they just enjoy watching their team roll up on um, on a uh, fellow ACC rival. So um, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not touching this game. Um, the spread-wise, uh, with a 10 foot pole, it scares, scares me. Uh player I'm watching is Brevin Jordan. I'm mainly because like you said earlier, like Pitts is definitely like the, the tight end one for, for, for Dyna, uh, for, excuse me, for everything. Yes. Maybe not like he may not be drafted number one, just because I like blocking and stuff. Although I think he should be, but as far as uh, for fantasy purposes, he is, but Brevin Jordan to me uh, could be the number two guy. I want to see what he can do in a game against a good defense. Uh, so far, he's caught a touchdown pass in each game, but he didn't have like some outrageously great season last year. Like he's really uh, broken out this year. I think he started to last year, of course, but I want to see what he can do against Clemson, see if he can produce. And uh, that will tell me a lot about what where I think he what I think he can do in the NFL. So we're on opposite sides of this one. I don't feel great about it, but uh, I had to stick with my principles. Um, let's get into our. Uh, your locks and my picks <laughs> for for next week. What's one of the ones you're uh, most excited about on the on the slate this weekend? So I'm doing something I have not been doing a lot this year. I'm taking some points. Um, so Syracuse is a two and a half point underdog against this Duke team. Duke has really been underwhelming ever since their first game of the year when we kind of said they didn't look like garbage. And Syracuse has been kind of okay um they've been winning games that they weren't favored as and i think this is another spot they're at home in this one and smp plus has actually that they're they should be favored in this spot uh i still don't like the syracuse team i think these are probably on a neutral field very even teams but i do think that at home field giving them a slight advantage because of the way they play i'm going to take syracuse plus the points I like it. Um, I actually made a little bit of money on Syracuse uh, this year so far. So, you know, I, that whenever a team does that to me, I, I always kind of root for it. But I like that. Uh, would you do a money line on this one or do you want those two and a half points? I think I probably take the two and a half points. Yeah, I don't think I, think I don't. The money unlike you, I don't just immediately game. jump in on every small dog and try and make it a money line play. Yeah, And the money line's only plus 115. So I don't even know if it's really if you're worth getting, it. Yeah. If you're getting minus 110 on your spread and plus 115 is all you're getting for that extra risk, don't do it. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, actually, you got even better at 103. Anyway, let's move on to my uh, one I'm most excited about, I think, uh, as far as how good I feel about it. Not necessarily the game I'm excited to watch, but it's a Friday night special. We've got Louisville at Georgia Tech. I'm taking Louisville minus four. Uh, man, Georgia Tech... <laughs> Their defense is is not good. Syracuse had really been struggling, only scoring like 16 points in the first two games, and they put up 37 on Georgia Tech. So um, I think Georgia Tech is pretty bad. I know we are excited about what Sims can maybe be, but Louisville, I think, will really be able to, to put up enough points to make this number um, feel pretty manageable. So uh, minus four seems pretty safe. I don't think Georgia Tech's offense can keep up with uh, what Louisville's going to do. So Louisville minus four, I feel good about. It'll give me something fun to do on a, on a Friday night uh, to sit there and stress about a, a Louisville game that I don't actually shouldn't actually care about, but all of a sudden I do. So Louisville minus four is uh, number one for me. So probably my, my new principal play right now is until they start recognizing that FAU is worse offensively without Lane Kiffin, I'm going to be looking at their unders. S&P Plus has this game at 57, and the line right now is 63, so I'm going to be taking FAU and Southern Miss under 63. I do think that this game will get a little bit tight just because Southern Miss has some talent, even though I believe they're 0-4 on the year so far. Um, I just I think that FAU is getting a lot of credit for what they were last year, and I think from what we're seeing at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin's just a really good offensive mind, and I think that he took that with him. Yeah, I think that's great. I really do. I like picking out those types of trends. Last year for me, it was uh, everyone, like every week I would just take the Oregon under because their offense just was not overrated, but overblown, and their defense was underrated, and so they'd still cover the spread most weeks but they would always be on the under Uh, so finding those little areas where the market hasn't really caught up with reality i think is really important and this lane kiffin idea i think is is perfect so that's definitely something that we will continue to look at thanks to you um my next one is another double dip i like the double dips uh i went over to last i went wait let, let me see i went one for four one and three last week on this. I'm going to go two and oh this week. I'm taking Florida minus six and a half at Texas A&M and over 56 and a half. Uh, Texas A&M last week allowed touchdown passes of 63, 78 and 87 yards all in one week. Yes, that was against Alabama, uh, but Florida has shown that they are an explosive offense as well. Um, they may not, Florida may not be as good as Bama, but Bama beat this team by 28. I think Florida can manage a touchdown. Um, Florida are eight, three, and one against the spread in the last 12, while Texas AM are one and four against the spread in their last five. The total has gone over in four of Florida's last five games played on a Saturday. Um, SP Plus has this more like a 9.7 victory for Florida, 9.7 point victory. Uh, so I feel good about it from that perspective as well. So give me Florida minus six and a half and the over 56 and a half. And I'm going to quickly just sneak a peek here and see if I. Um, see any better numbers? Do you see any better numbers for me, or or is that the best I'm going to get? On which one? Sorry, I zoned out for a second. Uh, Florida. No, those are the best. No, be the six and a half and fifty six and a half is the best. Okay, your turn. So I just added one. It's a principal play right now. Um, I'm taking BYU and UTSA under sixty three and a half. BYU <sighs> has looked like a world beater so far. Yeah. They might they. I think everyone wants to crown like the obvious teams um, from the group of five as the 
the best group of five team, but I don't think anyone can make a case that it's anyone other than BYU at the moment. Um, The num the spread on this game is 34 and a half. I'm tempted to take the, uh, take the points, but BYU just keeps crushing teams and I don't want to be on that side of it, but I think that they're going to basically determine what the total is on this game. So I'm going to take them because S and P plus has this at like 58 points. So I'm getting really a lot of value here. So my only fear with this one would be what if BYU scores 60 on their own? I mean, they might, Uh, but I think that I think they'll control this. And I, while I do think that their scoring is going to be the determining factor, I just see this being more of a, they win this in the high forties, not in the high fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I never, I can never question your underplays because they, they seem to work out for you. Um, and you, you definitely know what you're doing with them. So, um, I, I always trust you with these ones. Uh, my next one is Virginia tech at UNC. We did talk a little bit about this one off the top of the show. I am going to take the over 59 points. Uh, just talking about trends, like I think a lot of people still kind of view Virginia Tech as this defensive juggernaut. Uh, they're actually more of an offensive team this year. Right now, they're number 10 in scoring offense and number 93 in scoring defense. They have the number two rushing offense. We talked about uh, Khalil Herbert earlier as well. So I think Vatek is going to be able to score um, a lot of points running the ball in this game. Uh, but UNC has, like I said, one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Sam Howell. I'm still not 100% there, but that's what I'm told. Uh, So I think he'll be able to exploit this defense uh, pretty well. Um, They allowed Bryce to put up 275 yards, and we're not completely convinced he's very good. So I I think the over-under on this game, like that 59 number doesn't really scare me all that much, so I feel pretty good about that. Um, Just a little extra nugget here. Uh, Virginia Tech has gone over in in four of the last five games. So I think, yeah, like I said, I don't think the market has quite caught up with this offense yet. So I, I feel good about this number. I think they'll be able to uh, to get over into the 60s pretty pretty quickly here. Yeah, I think that's solid. Um, my last pick is, it actually might be my favorite play of the weekend, and it's Louisiana Tech and UTEP under 52. UTEP is one of the worst offenses in the country. They're sixth worst, sixth worst in offensive S&P+. Plus. They're right now averaging 8.8 or 18.8 points per game. And I just want to quickly read off the teams that they've played. Stephen F. Austin, Texas, Abilene Christian, and Louisiana Monroe. The only game in which they broke 28 points, which is an arbitrary number, but whatever, um, was against Louisiana Monroe. Where do you think Louisiana Monroe ranks in defensive S&P Plus? That's right. They're eighth worst. Um, <laughs> I was going to say really bad. Okay. So... <laughs> Uh, UTEP is a team that is right now averaging about, I think they're averaging and let me look at the number and get you the exact spot. Um, they are averaging 67 plays per game, which is up from their previous few years where they've only been averaging 63 plays per game, but they're still only passing the ball about 43% of the time. So this is a team that likes to run the ball and be a little bit slower. And then they like to grind on defense, um, and really just, they want to win this game low. So I would expect that Louisiana Tech will be a substantial step up in competition from what they faced against uh, ULM. So they will continue their ways of not scoring a lot of points. Louisiana Tech is a slightly more explosive offense. They do want to pass the ball a decent amount. But like I said, 
with UTEP's goal of being running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, they're going to hold on to this ball for quite a bit of the time, limit the explosiveness of this Louisiana Tech um, offense, and uh, keep the game as a low-scoring affair. I would expect that this game is won in with the winning team getting 24. Wow. Yeah, that, that would be, that would be very nice for you. Uh, my last one, I still have two on here, but I, I, th- I don't think I'm going to play the last one. It just feels a little too scary. Uh, so I am going to play Tennessee, Georgia, give me Georgia minus 12 and a half. Uh, like I said earlier, I don't think Tennessee can hang with them. I might be wrong, but man, Tennessee's going to have to prove it against a really good team before I start drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, Georgia has impressed me since that first half, uh, really that first quarter against Arkansas. They've looked really good, um, and that happened to coincide with a change at the quarterback position. So I do think that uh, you know now that they've moved on, I, I think they're going to be able to roll here. Their defense will be able to to stifle Tennessee, and you know putting up two touchdowns against that Tennessee defense shouldn't be a problem. I wouldn't be surprised if this one is you know similar last week, 20, 27 to six or something like that, you know, pretty, pretty low scoring. Um, but I'm not on the under, uh, cause I think it's at like 43 points or something like that. Uh, you never know with defensive touchdowns that, that always makes me nervous with a team like Georgia that can be uh, very opportunistic. Uh, so give me Georgia minus 12 and a half. The game that I was tempted to put on the card that I'm not going to is Bama Ole Miss over 70 and a half. Um, if it was just a little bit lower, if it got down as a 68 or something like that, I'd play it, but I don't think it's going to go that low. I will be checking it, um, on game day. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. That's, that's my card for the week. Do you have anything else that you've added since I've been rambling? No, I got screwed over by hurricane Delta, um, which already canceled, uh, my favorite game of the weekend, which was coastal Carolina, um, and Louisiana Lafayette. Um, I actually was going to take a favorite. Um, because I think this Louisiana team is really good, um, but they're not playing. So that sucks. Yeah, that does suck. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. You had put some work into, into researching that one and, it, and, and I, and I felt, I felt good for you on that one. Uh, we just want to remind you guys before we uh, go here, uh, check out bet online. They're awesome. Uh, we, we use them all the time. Betonline.ag. Uh, check out their promotion codes as you sign in and, and enter the promo code Blue Wire. They've got some great deals for you. Uh, so check them out. That's betonline.ag, promo code Blue Wire. Matt, do you have anything to tell the good people before we get running today? Bye, Chris Olave. And are you excited to actually be able to talk about Chris Olave on the field soon? Nope. Not at all. Nope, not, definitely. Not I don't want to watch my team play. Oh man, it's we're getting closer and closer. I'm excited for this week though. Uh, we've got some great games, but yeah, man, it's it's hard not to start looking forward to uh, when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 start playing as well as as a couple of homers like we are. Uh, but this is gonna be a fun week. I'm excited to be glued in uh, to the television. I don't have many plans for the weekend that uh, don't involve watching football, so it's gonna be a beautiful thing. It'll be a good one. Cool. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening.